Hi, I'm Mike Dilk and you're listening to the Relax Bank UK show. The show that explores all kinds of health topics relevant to you, your family and your friends. Each week I talk to expert guests from a range of backgrounds to inform and entertain you. So please do join the Relax Bank UK family and stay tuned. Hi, and thank you for joining me on the Relax Back UK show. You're part of the 1.3 million monthly listening family to UK Health Radio, so a big welcome to you. Now this week, the topic is pain. Millions of people suffer from chronic pain that just doesn't seem to go away. We show them that the pain that they have is real, but it's their body is not broken. They don't need to fear the pain. They can do things with that pain. And the more they start doing activities, exercise, moving, walking, they learn that they are not broken. They actually can do those things. My guest, Dr. Andrea Ferlin, understands chronic pain. And almost more importantly, she understands people with chronic pain. She's been researching into the issue to help sufferers of chronic pain for 15 years. Please join me if you or a loved one needs help with pain for this week's Relax Back UK show. Dr. Andrea Furlan is a medical doctor helping people with pain. She also researches into pain and she's based in Toronto, Canada. The first thing I asked her was, where, what are all the different organizations that you are associated with and work with? I am an associate professor at the Department of Medicine at the University of Toronto. And I also work, I'm a scientist, a senior scientist at a hospital. The hospital is called University Health Network, UHN. And I am also a scientist at the Institute for Working Health in Toronto. Goodness me. All right. So you, you're not bored. So that's, so that's, not, <laughs> I'm not, that's, I'm not bored. <laughs> so that, that's four, four jobs so far I've counted, if we include working as, as a medical doctor as well. Yes. Uh, so that's, and pain is your thing. So I had a little thought, you know, trying to think, okay, you research pain. This isn't my world at all. So I was kind of thinking, how on earth can you research pain? You know, yeah. because, it, because it's not an obvious thing. So I was thinking, well, what do you do? Do you stick pins in people and measure <laughs> how, how loudly they scream? I mean, it's a difficult <laughs> thing to measure, isn't it? Oh, yes. It's very subjective, Mike. Uh, it is, um, the problem is chronic pain is different from acute pain. So when people, everybody knows what is pain, we all feel pain, right? Uh, it's a, a normal alarm system of the body when something is wrong. And we yeah. usually ask the person to give a number from zero to 10 or zero to 100, depending on the scale that you use. When the person cannot speak or if it's a child or someone with dementia, and then there are scales that we can look at their faces and uh, see how much uh, facial expression they have of pain, like babies or people with dementia or people who cannot talk. Mm. Um, but that's acute pain. So if the person can give us a number, we ask them to give a number like um, zero is no pain at all. And 10 is the most unbearable pain that you can imagine in your life, like childbirth. And then we yeah. ask them, how much is your pain right now? But chronic pain is different. Chronic pain is really hard to give a number because it's an ongoing, constant pain all the time. So, so it's more actually, tiring. Yeah. Maybe because you, you've mentioned two sorts of pain. You've mentioned acute and chronic. You could just for, uh, go okay. back and tell us what the difference is. 
Yes, of course. So acute pain is what we call it's a it's when something is broken, damaged, there is a disease. So let's say a toothache, a earache, an yeah. appendicitis, or a inflammation in a joint like an arthritis. That's acute pain. So we can see the inflammation, and it it's, it means that um, the alarm system of the body is functioning normal because. The pain is the, it's the alarm system of our body, yeah. right? And this is, this, is, this is a good thing, actually. It's a good, yeah, yeah. Actually, it's a good thing because it's alerting the person that they need to do something about it. Now, imagine that this alarm system of the body is malfunctioning. It, it, the same thing as a house alarm. If you install an alarm in your house, you want to go off, make noise when there is a burglar, a smoke, right? Uh, when there's something wrong, bronking. But if the alarm system of your house is malfunctioning, which means the volume is very loud, so you don't want the volume to be too loud to wake up the whole neighborhood, <laughs> or it's going off when there is nothing wrong, or when it's not going off when there is a problem, so then you, you have to call the alarm company. You don't call the fire truck, the police or the ambulance, you call the alarm company to fix the pain system. So I am the pain doctor. I'm the specialist on the alarm system of the okay. body because chronic pain is that is the is the alarm system of the body is malfunctioning. And um, then the original injury, the acute injury is already healed, but the person continue feeling pain. And that's chronic pain. Okay, I get it. I get it. So you 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 are the alarm doctor. So with, yeah, with that, I'm the... <laughs> Yeah. So with that in mind, on your research, what's one of the things that you're you're currently working on? You know, can you explain that in the, the terms of the layman? And yeah, you know, so what, yeah. what's your next paper that you're going to publish? Oh, very exciting one. So uh, we do. I most of what I study includes um, treatments for chronic pain because, as I said, chronic pain is different from acute pain. So we do need different treatments. So one of the one of my main research in the last uh, 13, 14 years is about the use of opioids for chronic okay. pain. OK, because opioids, things like morphine, coating, tramadol, oxycodone, those are opioids, fentanyl. They work really well for acute pain, really well. So if a person has a like a fracture, and they need to go to emergency and the orthopedic surgeon needs to uh, fix the fracture, they will probably give the person an opioid to not to feel pain when they are reducing the fracture. If we have surgery, we will usually they give opioids, uh, you know, in the pre in post operative period. So the right. person doesn't feel pain. So acute pain responds really well to opioids like a kidney stone. If someone is passing kidney stone, oh, yeah. that's acute pain. That's my is, wife. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. that is yeah. horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So that pain is horrible. And if the person is passing a kidney stone, you know, they 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 take one opioid and that's alleviated for a couple of hours. So that's really it's godsend. Opioids are yeah. wonderful. <laughs> the problem is when they are given to chronic pain, like imagine someone who has this malfunctioning of the pain system. And they are feeling pain all the time, constant pain. The pain is real, Mike. It's, they're not imagining the pain. The pain is real. And then the doctors want to help this person. Imagine this person show up in a doctor's office complaining, I have pain, pain is constant pain. 
and the doctors are not trained to treat chronic pain. Unfortunately, doctors don't learn in medical school the difference between acute and chronic pain. They don't even learn that we have this alarm system in our body and where it can malfunction, unfortunately. So they don't know that chronic pain is different from acute pain and they start giving opioids to that person. So that's, that's a big problem because in that case, there are some types of chronic pain. There are few, few types. <laughs> it's called neuropathic pain or when they have a type of uh, acute pain that is ongoing, is keep going. But in most of the cases of chronic pain, what they have is nociplastic pain, which is a plasticity of the pain system. The pain system is modified, it's malfunctioned. We call this nociplastic pain. So for nociplastic pain, opioids can make it worse. Okay. Opioids can make this pain worse. And, act, and then the person may develop dependence, may develop addiction, may develop con constipation and sonolence and sleep apnea, even immune so suppression. This, this, this is a major, major issue in North America right now, isn't it? Opioid it is. addiction. And in the UK as well, yes. It's spreading to the UK. I've, I've heard it in, in, in the UK now. So it's essentially, people start off taking them for pain uh, and then want more, maybe because the pain doesn't go away, so they think they need more. And then they become addicted to these things. Is that kind of how it works? So addiction is rare. I can tell you addiction is not so common. It is about between five and 10% of people who take ongoing opioids that will become addicted. So because addiction is a disease, it's um, it, they need a, a diagnosis. It's more complicated than just being dependent. So okay. physically, yeah, dependence happens in 100% of people. So physical dependence to opioids happens in 100% of people who take opioids every day. And physical dependence is not the same thing as addiction. I want to make it clear. Right. So physical so what, dependence... What is it, this is probably an impossible question, okay? So I'm going <laughs> to apologize in advance. No problem. If, if, if you are dependent on yeah. this opioid, what actually does it feel like? You get up in the morning yeah. and how do you feel? What do you think? Why are, yeah. you reach for, why are you reaching for the, these, these pills? Yeah, so dependence means the body needs that medication to continue functioning normally. And we develop dependence to a lot of, like people develop dependence to steroids. Mm -hmm. People develop dependence to medications for the stomach. We call those PPIs to medications for heart hormones, like thyroid hormones. A person develops dependence, which means Dependence means that the body now is accustomed to receiving that drug. So when the person does not take the drug, that pill, mm -hmm. they feel horrible withdrawal effects. That's what it means. Okay. So okay. normally the person will keep taking the opioids because if they miss a dose, if they skip a dose, if they try to stop on their own and they stop abruptly, they feel horrible withdrawals and they think they are going to die. So that's why the people with chronic pain, if you put someone with chronic pain and they start taking every day, they develop dependence. Again, 100% develop the, because they cannot do anything about the dependence. It's a, bi a biological effect, okay? Yeah. So it's a body effect. So when they don't take that dose, they feel horrible. They start having tremors, agitation, yeah. they can't sleep, they have an anxiety. And then if they take the pill, it calms down.
So they think, okay, maybe I need this medication. Oh, and another symptom of withdrawals of opioid is pain all over the body. So they, so which is, it's very confusing because if they don't take the opioids, they feel pain all over the body, agitation, tremor, they may have a diarrhea, and then they take the pill and they feel better. So they tell me, Dr. Furlan, I need these pills because I feel horrible when I don't take them. And then I tell them, you're just treating the withdrawals. So you have dependence, and then some people that are dependent may go on to become addicted. What's the difference there, yeah. and what and why would that happen to? Yeah. Some e- excellent that question, Mike. Excellent. I love you. I love this question because many people don't know this answer. So I'm really glad that you're asking this. So addiction, we now call substance use disorder, is a disease of the reward system, and the person simply lose control of how much they are taking. So they start, because of the dependence, they start craving for these medications, and then they start doing things that are very inappropriate. Like they stop working, they start, they may start stealing, or they may start lying to the doctors to get more, and they want more and more and more to avoid those withdrawals. But that is a, that's a psychiatric disease that we need a psychiatrist to make the diagnosis. Yeah, because the treatment of addiction requires sometimes admission to a hospital, detoxification, a lot of psychological support, because these people really, they mess up with their lives. They stop working, they stop caring for their children, they stop doing things that give them pleasure, like eating. Sometimes they stop eating. So of course, not every patient with chronic pain who is taking opioids get to that point. But and, and and we need to avoid because we never know who is going to develop addiction. There's absolutely no clues. I can take two people who are dependent on opioids. One will develop addiction, the other one will not. And I have no clue to know who is going to develop addiction because addiction is so serious. It basically destroys their lives. Okay. All right. So we're winding back now to, to the dependence. And so you're, you've been looking at this. Have you been looking at ways to... Uh, stop people being, being dependent and find other ways to cure the pain. So what, what do you do? If so, yeah, you know, yeah. What, what's so, the research yeah, that, telling, that's telling basically, you? That's basically what I've been doing the last uh, 15 years, helping people to stop taking the opioids for chronic pain. And we call this tapering. We call this okay. tapering the opioids, right? And so we need to help these people who have been on, I have helped many patients and that's, uh, that's the research that I'm doing. And, and this month uh, there will be a paper published, uh, in the, in a big journal of a study that we did in the UK, helping people to stop taking opioids. Yes. Which, which, which it's journal? It's called the iWatch. Uh, which, which I, journal? I cannot tell you the journal right now, but the. Okay. The Not journal, I cannot tell you the journal right now, but I can I'm sure it has you, very yeah, high impact. It, it's from the University of very high impact. It's from it the University of Warwick. Okay. So people from the University of Warwick and I helped them. I am a collaborator of this study. They did this big, large study helping people, randomizing people who had been on opioids for many years. And so they were randomized to a group that was going to taper slowly the opioids and another group that only received some education, they were not tapered. So what we do is we help the person to um, 
Stop taking these opioids very slowly. That's the first thing that we help them to do. So we don't tell them stop abruptly or cold turkey. We tell them, you know, you have to stop uh, taking some percentage, like 10% every week or every two weeks. We help them to calculate. And we give a lot of supports to them in the sense that uh, if they're having withdrawals, we help them to manage the withdrawals. Like one bad withdrawal symptom is diarrhea. Mm-hmm. So we give them medications to control the diarrhea. Another effect, another um, symptom of withdrawal could be insomnia. They can't sleep. They are so agitated that they can't sleep. So we help them, you know, taking some, you know, over-the-counter or teas or some things are relaxing and soothing so then they can uh, sleep better. So we give a lot of support to these people who have um chronic pain, and they need to want to take down the dose of the opioids. In North America, Mike, unfortunately, many doctors try to do this abruptly. They try to stop the opioids suddenly and put the person in a very difficult situation because the withdrawals were horrible. And there were even suicides, people who died by suicide because they could not tolerate the withdrawals. Yeah, okay. Maybe what we should do, we should go into the opioid thing um, in, in more detail, maybe when your paper is published uh, yeah. and, and, and move on from that. So that, that's very exciting. Perhaps for now, I, I could ask you what other treatments that there are for, for chronic yeah. pain so that, you know, we can move away from potentially okay. the opioids yeah. altogether as, as a treatment. Yeah, I'll be happy to come back here, talk about that study more. So, yeah, when we when we take down the opioids or even if a person has chronic pain, the, the treatments for chronic pain, as I said, are very different from the treatments for acute pain. So when a person has acute pain, taking paracetamol or acetaminophen, anti-inflammatories, they work for acute pain. Like if someone has a bruise, an inflammation, you take those medications and they work. But this kind of medications, they don't work for chronic pain. So in terms of uh, what works for chronic pain is fixing that pain system. I like what you said. You just called me the alarm doctor. <laughs> so fix, and nobody ever called me that, uh, Mike, the alarm doctor, but I like that. <laughs> okay, we've just coined a new name for you there. Right? Yeah, yeah. So the, in terms of fixing the pain system, what we need to, we need to retrain the pain system to feel pain normal again, because again, it's a problem of the pain system. We have one of the things that we have in the abnormalities, the disease of the pain system is that the volume is turned up. So the person we call the the technical term is called central sensitization. So this means that the pain system is sensitized and central because it's in the central nerve system, brain and spinal cord that this sensitization happens. So we need to train the pain system to lower the volume to desensitize. So how do we do this? So we we tell the person, and it's a lot of uh, talk therapy, we explain to them, first we explain the science of pain, we tell them understanding what is central sensitization, where the disease is, etc. And then we tell them that they need to be exposed to pain a little bit and, and retrain the pain system, that that pain is very minimal. We call this like a uh, exposure. The same, you know, when a person has phobias, have you heard about people have phobia, fears of heights, 
fear of elevators, fear of uh, spiders. or So the treatment for phobia is exposure. So we actually, uh, if they're fearful of spiders, we tell this is, this is, you know, look at the size of the spider. Look at the, it's a tiny little animal. It doesn't, it doesn't cause you any harm, but you are fearful of this tiny little animal. So we expose them and the person says, oh yeah, this is a tiny animal. I don't need to be fearful of this. So they learn that they don't need to be fearful. We do the same thing with pain. So okay. we, we show them that the pain that they have is real, but it's the body is not broken. They don't need to fear the pain. They can do things with that pain. And the more they start doing activities, exercise, moving, walking, they learn that they are not broken. They actually can do those things and they start walking more. So that's one of the things, exposure therapy. Uh, is it uh, a little more sophisticated than, or, yeah. than, than just kind of ignoring the pain and doing it anyway. Yeah, yeah it's much more yeah, it's much more sophisticated than just that. I'm just simplifying this, but it requires I I, I tell my patients that it's a at the same time that they are doing movement for their body, they need to be doing the movement, the exercise for their brain because they need to be retraining their brain and right. giving them messages of safety. So they need to feel safe. I'm not telling the person that they need to endure pain and be stoic and be strong and tolerate the pain. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you need to believe that the pain signals that your brain are receiving are actually exaggerated. They are sensitized. So okay. your pain is tiny, but your brain thinks that it's super, it's, it's high. Like, remember when I told you the numbers, like zero to 10? Yeah. I tell the patient, actually, your pain, the real pain that you're having is probably a one or two or a three, but your brain is sensitized and your brain thinks it's a seven, eight, nine or 10. So we do need to desensitize the brain. The other, the other thing that we do, we use a lot of meditation, mindfulness to calm down this pain system that is sensitized because stress when they are fearful, because pain is a stress reaction. When you have pain, you get into alert. It's normal. They are connected into the brain. But if the person, every time that they feel pain, they feel alert and there's a flush of adrenaline, cortisol, they wake up all of those stress centers in the brain, that will increase the pain sensation that will make them more stressed so meditation mindfulness will activate the other system of the body which is called parasympathetic system okay. so we do have two systems that run in parallel the sympathetic and the parasympathetic the sympathetic nerve system is the fight flight response when you know if you see a bear in front of you i just came from calgary alberta so there we were all you know we were told don't go into the woods because there are bears there so if you see a bear your brain will whew, give you the flush of adrenaline and you have to run or fight and uh, attack right so a person with chronic pain they are in constant sympathetic drive they're always ready to fight right which yeah, is must be exhausting that's totally you know, we're not designed totally. for that <laughs> exactly we're not designed for that totally you got it so they don't sleep well they are because they don't sleep well they can't 
uh, they have they're tired during the day they can't concentrate well because they're always in that fight or flight mode that's because we can see this with functional mri images of the brain the scientists can see that those areas are light up in the brain so what we need to do is to, we need to learn they need to learn to activate the opposite which is the parasympathetic nerve system the parasympathetic system and the sympathetic system, they, they can never work together because the parasympathetic system is the one responsible for healing, digestion, rest. So when a person is meditating, mindfulness, when they're walking in nature, when they're enjoying reading a good book, when they're listening to music, when they're taking a hot bath, when they're swimming, when they're eating a good meal, they're activating the parasympathetic nerve system. So we teach the person to activate this parasympathetic nervous system. So then in turn, they relax the other one and they de-stress. So this is extremely important because if we don't do this, they will always be hypervigilant and then always be feeling pain at a maximum, right? This, so this sounds something which is probably very individual to each person. I can imagine different things will spark off this particular pain system or nervous system that you're, you're yeah, trying to yeah, get yeah, active yeah. so that the the fight or flight is is reduced yeah um, yeah so yeah so the the person and chronic pain comes in many different flavors and colors and and different things so one of the the most uh difficult uh let me just drink a, uh, i need a sip of water uh, so one of the most difficult, and I would not say difficult, but more complex types of pain, chronic pain, is fibromyalgia. I don't know if you heard about fibromyalgia, but it's chronic pain that hurts everywhere, the body. It's so ongoing, constant pain everywhere. It hurts. To be, to be diagnosed as fibromyalgia, the person has to have pain in the trunk and in the limbs, like arms or legs, front of the body, back of the body, above the waist, below the waist. So imagine someone living with this. So this is fibromyalgia, but there are other types of chronic pain that are more localized in the body. So people may have just low back pain. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what, I mean, pain. I, I, I come across that one frequently because actually yes. um, my, my business is I import ergonomic chairs. So I, yeah. I come across a lot of people with low back pain. It's and, very common, very and, common. Yeah. It's, it's, the number one cause of uh, disability to work in the world Absolutely. is back pain. Yeah, yeah. and it's so. Uh, what I, what I do know about it is that it's really horrible. If people have it, it just destroy. It have it badly. It can really destroy their whole life. I know. Um, I ha I had acute. I had acute back pain <laughs> a couple of times in my life. Yeah, you and, want to be careful. Uh, I might try and sell you a chair, Andrea. Yeah, and we might. Yeah, a new chair. Uh, but yeah, so my the first time I had it lasted six weeks, terrible back pain. And I the only way that my back pain was alleviated was if I was lying down on the floor. Um, and fortunately, it only lasted six, about four, six weeks. And the second and, and then what I started doing was I said, I, I need to go to the gym, I need to strengthen my body. So after that first episode of acute back pain, I really took seriously I hired a personal trainer and I said, okay, teach me everything, how to <laughs> even being a physician in this area, but to get the body strong, it's really important to avoid back pain because 
the muscles that we have around our spine need to be strong. So then when we are moving, you know, when we are, you know, we do a lot of things with our spine and they need to be there to hold our spine and avoid that this pain becomes chronic. So I tell my, my patients, you can do a lot of things that to avoid pain from becoming chronic. And one of them is keep your body in good shape, you know, because if you are always exercising and strong and flexible, your body will be there when you need it. It's like your car, you know, if you have a car, you need to take your car to the mechanic for prevention. You change the oil, you change the tires, you, you need your car to be ready when you need it. Like, uh, you know, now if you don't take care of your car when you need it, your car will break and then it's the same thing with our body. All right. Now, perhaps it might be useful to talk about some kind of minor interventions that might yeah. allow you. So, for yeah. instance, when you were lying flat on your back with backache before you went to the gym, you know, yeah. did you put on a cold pack or a hot pack or something to help you just yeah. feel like you could move a bit? OK, so there are a number of things that people can do to alleviate that pain. And um you know, people with chronic pain, they may also have an acute pain on the top of that chronic pain. So I tell, we call this flare ups. So I'll give you here some hints what to do when we have uh, flare ups. So the first thing is uh, try to get in a position that is comfortable for you. So for people who have back pain, there are some positions like lying flat on the floor with the legs bent like a bench at the hip and bench at the knees. So they are mm -hmm. almost like in a couch. I know it's hard for people to imagine this over the radio. So your, your feet are flat on the floor. Your feet are flat on the floor and your knees are bent. Is that right? So the back is flat on the floor. Yep. The, the buttock is uh, touching like a couch or a sofa. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, yeah. Then, and their legs are on the top of the sofa. We call that the Z lie position because they look like a Z. Yeah. Okay. They can put a cushion on the uh, on the um, uh, lower back area here, the, the the small of the back. They can put a like a pillow on the small of the back. So the other thing that they can do, so find a position. The other thing that they can do is apply heat or apply cold. I both are excellent, and I tell the person whatever works for them. If they like a hot pack, use a hot pack. If they like ice pack, please use ice pack. So it doesn't matter which one. Okay. The other so thing what, that they can that feels nice, but do, why? What? Why does a why does a cold pack work? The hot pack will relax the muscles. Muscles like heat, and sometimes okay. the pain is coming from muscle spasms. Mm -hmm. The ice do the ice doesn't relax the muscles, but the ice is analgesic, almost anesthetic. If you leave an ice pack to your skin never put an ice ice directly to the skin because you can burn the skin always put a fabric between the ice and the skin okay but the ice will be anesthetic will block the pain sensations to the point that you, if you touch the skin it will be anesthetic anesthetized they don't feel pain so two different mechanisms but they work really well the other thing that the person can do is massage and i teach a lot of self-massage I do have a YouTube channel that I do a lot of demonstrations of exercises, self-massage. I even show these positions on my channel and I recorded myself, um, you know, and put myself on YouTube because people need those demonstrations. And um, so self-massage. The other thing that really works is if they have a TENS machine at home, that's electricity. It's called TENS, T-E-N-S. They can apply the pads of the TENS machine 
over that area that helps they also can what does that actually do because no, we, we so when um my my wife was pregnant we practiced with one of these things in the event we didn't yeah use menstrual it. So cramps yeah menstrual cramps muscle spasm uh, they really work really well with tense the 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 TENS machine will deliver a special type of electrical impulse. It's not just electricity, it's a special type that this electricity will travel to the spinal cord and to the brain. And then the brain will respond by releasing endorphins. And endorphins are our endogenous opioids. So we do have, a, our brain has a, this inner pharmacy that we have the ability to release this analgesics, these painkillers. And one of them is called endorphins. Yeah. Right. The other thing is exercise. So I tell people, instead of being resting, instead of, uh, you know, being immobilized, fearful of the pain, try to walk, try to go to a, a hot water pool and walk in the pool. Try to be active when you are having this acute pain or this flare-ups, because if you become immobilized in bed, like bed rest, you're going to become weaker and we know that when we move our body, we also release endorphins. So that is our powerful painkillers. Try to sleep well, try to eat well when you are having a pain flare up because our body will need those nutrients to fight the pain, the inflammation in our body. Let me ask you actually one question. You mentioned massage. Um, at home, we've got one of those kind of massage guns, which um, is quite is quite vigorous, actually. Um, oh, yeah. No, you don't need those massage guns. I, I don't recommend those to my patients, actually. I, I, I think, uh, you know, with a, with a tennis ball or with a, like a, a tennis, like a, I do have something that is called a shepherd's hook. It's just a, it's a, a wire in a G, J shape. You can massage your back. But okay. you don't need to be so intense. I think uh, they're too expensive and there's not a lot of benefit. Like if you have a partner, uh, a husband, wife, or someone that is, you know, able to, you know, with strong hands, they can, you know, just with their fingers, they can do that. You go to a massage therapist or a chiropractor, they can teach you where are those points and you apply pressure. And with a tennis ball, you can lie down flat on the floor and the tennis ball is so uh, hard that can massage those points in the muscles. I also have like, a, there's a foam roller, which is a roll that is very hard. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you can use the foam roller, just the, your body weight on the top of the foam roller, massage your muscles. I do have another, I have a video in my channel that I demonstrate. And a foam roller costs, you know, 15 bucks, 20 bucks. So you don't need to spend a lot of money. Right. Now, at, at, at the end, actually, I want I want you to give the uh, where people can find all your YouTube channels and you've got some books as well. But before yeah, that. My YouTube, yeah, my YouTube channel is just my name, Dr. Andrea Furlan. Okay, we'll, we'll remind I, people of that at the end. But be before then, yeah. what about if people try all these things? And, it, yeah. you know, they don't get anywhere because you hear about other interventions. You, you hear yeah. about uh, injections, yeah. um, uh, which I guess, are they steroid injections? And, and yeah. you know, also surgery. People have surgery to try and um, yes. re repair discs that have bowls and that's, that sort of thing. Absolute, do you, do you yeah. get involved with that side of stuff? 
Yes, absolutely, Mike. So everything that we've talked so far is what we call self-management, is what the person can do for themselves. And this works for the majority of people. But for those that don't work and they're not getting better with self-management, they need to seek a pain doctor like me. So a specialist in pain, because then we can see what else they can do. And you are completely right. We do have injections, intervention, nerve blocks, surgery, stronger medications, like we can prescribe antidepressants, anticonvulsants, or even opioids, if we think that their pain will resolve with those other uh, more uh, prescription-based yeah. interventions. Actually, yeah, but not everybody, yeah, not everybody needs a pain doctor. Majority of people with chronic pain, they can manage their pain by themselves. Yeah. In the news here in the UK, there was just last week, it was talking about antidepressants being given for pain yeah, uh, and how there was actually very little proper evidence that they actually worked. So this whole idea has been taken into question and all the trials had only gone on for a couple of months or so. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Um, we do use antidepressants and anticonvulsants, antiepileptic medications for some types of chronic pain. You remember in the beginning I told you there is a type of chronic pain that is neuropathic pain. And so neuropathic pain is different from the nociplastic pain where the pain system is malfunctioning. So for neuropathic pain, this is pain, for example, when a person has a spinal cord injury, they had a stroke and now they have pain, or they had uh, multiple sclerosis or posipatic neuralgia because they had zoster. For those types of trigeminal neuralgia, for those types of pain, we sometimes we do need to prescribe antidepressants and anticonvulsants to lower the activity of the nerves because that neuropathic pain is being caused by nerves firing spontaneously. All right. This is fascinating. Now, I get, I get the impression we've only really scratched the surface of <laughs> this vast topic. So I may have to invite you back. And as you said, when your paper's published, there's probably a lot more that yeah. we can talk yeah. about there. But yes. I, I know you have to go off now. You, you, you have another meeting. So thank you very much for taking the time to chat. But before you go, perhaps if you could just mention your YouTube channel, and I know you've published some books as well. If people yes. are finding this interesting, some resources that they can go to. Yes, uh, my channel is on YouTube. It's just my name, Dr. Andrea Furlan. And my, I, I put uh, all the videos that I publish. I have, I have more than 200 videos on my channel, so people have difficulty finding. So I just, uh, last month, I published a book and the book has QR codes to my videos. And the book is called Eight Steps to Conquer Chronic Pain, A Doctor's Guide to Lifelong Relief. Okay, fantastic. I think people will find that useful. I'm worried that Zoom is going to chop us off very okay. soon. So, Andrea. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed for chatting. Thank I think I really do think a lot of people will find that very useful. So many I thanks. I hope so. I'll be happy to come back. Thank you, Mike. This week, I'm very keen to get feedback from the Relax Back UK listeners. Are there topics that you would like to hear more about? Uh, maybe a completely new topic or revisiting a topic you've heard me uh, discuss previously. Or maybe you're an expert on a health topic and would like to be on the show. Perhaps you've got some other comments on how to make it better, or even if there is something that you would like to uh, suggest that um, I do well. Please do let me know. I'm very keen to get some feedback, and I think the best way to do this is probably via my email, 
The email to write to is mike at relaxbackuk.com. That's mike at relaxbackuk.com. For this week, thank you very much to my guest, Dr. Andrea Fulan, pain doctor and uh, expert in pain. And thank you to you for listening. And please have a healthy week until next week. Thanks for listening to the Relax Back UK show. Join me, Mike Dilk, again next week for more fascinating interviews and chat. If you're listening to the podcast version, please subscribe, like, and share it with your family and friends. And have a healthy week. Until next week.